Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you so much. God, we pray, Father, as we open your word, God, that it would speak truth. Father, we thank you for what you've impressed upon Russ's heart to share with us this morning. So may we have attentive ears. May we have attentive hearts to listen to what you would have to say to us today uh, through your man. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you, Ryan, for leading us. Thank you, sound team, for working and tech team for working as hard as you did to get everything back up and running. Appreciate you. And thank you, church. Y'all sounded amazing, especially on that last song. That was beautiful. I mean, some of y'all, man, that was good. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you can harmonize. That was good. You can make a, um, a joyful noise. Thank you for being obedient to the Lord. That was so good. Hey, if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it's in the Old Testament, uh, probably about 75 to 100 pages before the book of Psalms, three or 400 pages after the book of Genesis, you should be able to find 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles is the last chapter uh, of, of, this, uh, of this wonderful book that we're going to be looking at this morning. Over the next five weeks... I'm going to be speaking on the topic of biblical stewardship. Biblical stewardship is faithfully managing all that God has entrusted to us. And I pray uh, and I hope that you will commit to staying engaged and coming every week for the next five weeks. Ryan, we have you for the next two so now you have to come for the next three after that. You don't have to lead worship, just uh, come. You too, Justin, uh, you come uh, as well. Uh, but that's what we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks. Let me ask you a question. How should we live in the uncertain times that we find ourselves in? I don't think I need to go through a list of everything that we've been seeing on the news in the last uh, two weeks or the last year, the last two years, uh, but li we live in uncertain times. How are we to find ourselves? How are we to live in these uncertain times? I believe one of the reasons for the unease and the uncertainty that so many people find themselves in is the rapid pace of change that we are experiencing. Things are changing at a very rapid rate. I believe that you would agree. In 2020, author Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler, they published their book, and this is the title of their book, The Future is Faster Than You Think. And this is what they say about the next 10 years. Follow this quote with me on the screen. Now, again, this was written in 2020, so we're already two years in to the publication of their book. Listen to this quote, quote number one. This is, I'm sorry, there is little doubt that the decade to come will be filled with radical breakthroughs and world-changing surprises. He goes on to say, it will be both a future that's faster than you think and arguably the greatest display of imagination rendered visible the world has seen 
yet. The next decade, we're already two years in. Can you imagine if uh, just over the last hundred years, the advancements that we have seen, the pace of change is, is getting faster and faster and faster as we go. Every since, ever since 2020, if something could be shaken, it's been shaken. Do you agree? Ever since 2020, if it could be shaken, it's been shaken. Change is inescapable, and it's occurring all around us. I want you to consider for a moment, consider these realities. Consider the reality of the secularization of the United States. When Americans were asked about their religious affiliation, nearly 25% said their religious affiliation is this, none. Uh, Not Catholic none, none. (laughs) No religious affiliation. 35% are under the age of 30, saying their religious affiliation is none. Consider the reality of the demographic remapping of the United States. We are more ethnically diverse. The United States is more ethnically, ethnically diverse than in any time in our history, and we are an aging population. Let's get really personal here with just the state of Texas. Of the top 20 ethnically diverse cities, Texas has five of the top 20 diverse cities. Consider the reality of family life. In 1960, 73% of families were traditional families, and the definition of a traditional family was a husband and wife being married. They led the family. Today, only 46% of families are considered traditional. Consider the reality of the uh, technological revolution. You hold in the palm of your hand a device that has enough memory and speed that used to take up floors in buildings, and now we have them in the palm of our hand. Technology has and will continue to change everything that we do. Consider the economic uncertainty. This has probably hit every single one of us in the last few years, more than any time in our lifetime. How many of us have recently seen our financial security changed or threatened or shaken just a little bit? We have been reminded how fragile man's economy is. Change, transition, and uncertainty abound. And I believe the results is an unsettledness like nothing we have ever seen or experienced before. And that is why people are desperately looking for something they can lean on and count on continually, something that they can stand on that is a firm foundation. They want to find stability in an unstable world. People are looking for certainty in an uncertain world. Listen, we do not like uncertainty. We're just not wired to handle uncertainty. We don't do uncertainty. Woo, that was a good one. Did y'all get that? That was, even the sound system said amen to that. 
Just think back with me to the uncertainty of 2020 when there was a fear we were going to run out of toilet paper. The great toilet paper uncertainty. People were going crazy. I saw a lady in the grocery store. This is a true story. I don't know why I have to. Everything I say is true. This lady is a grocery store, and she had like two of the, of the large packs, and she felt the need to apologize to me that she was buying so much toilet paper. She's like, I'm buying one for my mother-in-law, and I'm buying a pack for my mom, and then some for our house. This is not all for me. It's like, hey, listen, you don't, there's no apologize to me. That's a great example. We do not do well with uncertainty. But here's some good news for all of us today. God has a pathway for you and I that is certain and secure. And I believe in God's keys to building security. Bring the full tent into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Now watch this. God says this, and it's the only time God says this for us to do. Test me in this way. Some translations say it this way. Test me now. Like right now. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure, says the Lord of armies. If you remember in our study of Haggai, that phrase Lord of armies is a reference to God being sovereign. He is completely in control. Again, over the next five weeks, we will study God's Word, and we will review principles, I believe, will lead you to live a life that is bigger than yourself and to lead a life that is actually not about you at all. And I want to urge you to go on this journey with me for the next five weeks. When you do, you will never be the same again. Just hearing that might cause you to be doubtful. But hear me. If you will trust God's word, if you will live God's word, if you will stand on God's word, you will never doubt it again in your life. For the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the subject of biblical stewardship. I believe that God wants each of us as his followers to honor him with at least a tenth of, the, of everything that he has entrusted us. This is not just a command, but it is a promise given to us by the Lord. With this strong conviction, we're going to lift up biblical principles that guide and bring blessings upon our lives. And here's what I'm asking. Give God your next five weeks. You don't want to miss one week with us. And I'm confident, I'm confident that God will change you from the inside out. If you've not already bought into this principle, if you will give me the next five weeks, I trust, not on my preaching ability, not on our sound system staying you know, on, but I trust God's word that he will change you from the inside out. I don't think you'll ever see uh, what God has given you. I don't think you'll ever see it the same way again. Now listen, I'm not saying that you will get rich. I did not say 
you would be healthy for the rest of your life. And by no means am I preaching a health, wealth uh, philosophy, what some would call a prosperity gospel. I don't believe in it, and I'm not preaching it today, and I won't be preaching it for the next five weeks, and Lord, help me if I ever do uh, preach it. You can run me out of town, all right? That's not what I'm saying. What I did say is that the biblical principles I will share over the next five weeks will change your life. You will enter into an attitude of peace, an attitude of contentment, and an attitude of blessing. You'll be, not only will you be blessed, but I believe you'll be a blessing to others. You'll live a life of certainty over a life of uncertainty. Being blessed means this. You have the supernatural power of God working for you. And today, we begin with the basics of all basics. I believe this is where we need to return to. This, this principle that I'm going to share with you here in just a second, it's the principle I believe that we need to return to every single day. It's foundational, it, and it's, it's an imperative to understanding a blessed, blessed life. And I declare this unapologetically and unashamedly. It's this right here. God is the owner of of everything. And we're going to see that this morning in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. God is the owner of everything. Built upon the doctrine of God, we believe this, that God is the owner of everything. If a house is not built upon the right foundation, then listen, we're sinking. It's not going to work. Our entire lives are all, everything that we are, need to be built upon God alone. I'll say it again. God is the owner of everything. And the biblical text that reminds us of that can be found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. Let's look at it, again. Look at it together. And then I'll come back and I'll share the context. We'll unpack it a little bit. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. Then David, this is King David... Uh, this is at the end of his, his life. Then King David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. David said, May you be blessed, Lord God of our father Israel, from eternity to eternity. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything. Underscore this. For everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Underscore that phrase. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Look at verse 12. Riches and honor come from you, and you are the ruler of everything. Power and might and might are in your hand, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Verse 13. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Underscore this next phrase. For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. For we are aliens and temporary residents in your presence as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth 
are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this wealth that we've provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Underscore this, everything belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and that you are pleased with what is right. I have willingly given, given all these things with an upright heart, and now I have seen your people who are present here giving joyfully and willingly to you. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people and confirm their hearts towards you. Give my son Solomon an undivided heart to keep and to carry out all your commands, your decrees, and your statutes, to, be, to build the building for which I have made provisions. Then David said to the whole assembly, Blessed be the Lord your God. So the whole assembly praised the Lord God of their ancestors. They knelt low and paid homage to the Lord and the King. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord, shape us, mold us into your image. Father, where conviction comes, I pray that they would know that it comes with the loving hand of God, that you are drawing us to you. You're not convicting us to push you, to push us away. Father, may we receive it as that. May we run to you uh, if conviction comes. Father, we love you. It's in your son's precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 29, major change is happening in the life of King David and in the nation of Israel. David is, I said this earlier, but he's in an advanced stage of life. He is passing on the torch to his son Solomon. Solomon has been chosen by God to succeed uh, David as king. Uh, and listen, this didn't happen. Uh, if you read uh, First Chronicles, you will find out this didn't happen uh, without uh, any difficulty. There was lots of difficulty in this. In, First in Chronicles 29, David brings all of Israel together. He talks about his desire to build the temple. But God has not chosen David to build the temple. He's chosen Solomon to build the temple. And King David's role is not to build the temple, but to rally the people to support the work financially. But hear me, David was not merely interested in a transition of power. David was also interested in a transfer of faith. Real quick, look back at verse 18, 29 verse 18. Not just a transfer of power, but a transfer of faith. Lord God Abraham, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep Keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people and confirm their hearts towards you. Listen, that David is praying that for no doubt for the people of Israel, for Solomon, but he is praying that for us as well. That this, 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 this truth that God is the owner of everything, man, he wants it to stay on our hearts. There's one major understanding that God wanted David to know and to teach his people 
Because this understanding will bring stability in the midst of instability. It will bring certainty in the midst of uncertainty. And it's this, God is the owner of everything. I asked you to underscore this in your Bible. Look back again with me at verse 11. I want you to notice this. It says, everything belongs to you. Look at verse 11. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty. For, here's the logic behind what he's just said, for everything in heaven, in the heavens and the earth belongs to you. Skip down to verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what has come from your own hand. So not only does everything belong to God, but the people of God are just returning what God, a portion of what God has given to them. Look at verse 16. Lord God, all this wealth that we've been provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. There it is again. Everything belongs to you. In other words, this. Everything comes from God because everything belongs to God. We stand on this, we stand on, have a conviction of this biblical reality that everything belongs to God. We can learn from David's life. We can learn from his leadership how to navigate through times of uncertainty, through times of transition and change. This is how we need to live in these times of transition. God is the owner of everything. King David shows us first, write this down, write this point down. If we're going to make it in these times of uncertainty, in the times of transition, here's what we do first. Give honor and praise to God alone for everything because God is the owner of everything. Let me say it again. Give honor and praise to God alone for everything because God is the owner of everything. The verses in our text are foundational to the whole concept that God is the owner of everything. That's why it should not surprise us that the writer of, the most, of most of the Psalms, he breaks out in praise. And that's what we, this is really, this isn't a hymn, but it, it reads a whole lot like a song, a hymn of praise to God alone. This song, if you will, or this doxology gives us a theological backdrop, if you will. Look at the time, look with me. And notice this. Go back to verse 11. Here's his praise. Here's David's doxology. God's greatness, we see it, God's greatness is exalted. Again, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty. Doesn't that sound like a doxology? Doesn't that sound like a, a song of praise? Just over and over, just oozing praise to God. Why? For everything in the heavens and on the earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Why is this so important to understand? Above all, God is great. 
so great that he alone created the heavens and the earth. Therefore, as the owner of everything, he is big enough and he is powerful enough to provide us anything we need. David knows that. He has experienced that. And he is wanting to pass that on to us. God's greatness is exalted. But notice this as well. God's ownership is proclaimed. In this doxology, in this song of praise, God's ownership is proclaimed. Look at verse 12. God's ownership is proclaimed. Riches and honor come from you. And you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand. And it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Verse 13. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. God owns even the things we think we own. Really, that's good news. That's not bad news. That's great news. If God owns everything, that means if our car breaks down, guess who we get to go to for help? The owner. Guess who we're dependent on for help? The owner. God, you own everything, even this broken down car. <laughs> Will you fix it? Listen, that might sound silly, but that's if God owns everything, that's a prayer we can pray faithfully. He owns it. God is the owner of everything. But notice this also in verses 14 and 15. Human weakness is acknowledged. Notice the humility here. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you, and we've given you only what comes from your own hand. For we are aliens and temporary residents in your presence as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Man, that is, that, is not only, that is not only a humble statement, but what an incredible wise statement. God, this is all temporary. Everything that we wear, moths are going to eat at some point. Everything that we drive, rust is going to ruin at some point. It is all so temporary. David acknowledges that. He acknowledges that without God's help, none of us could give him a penny. That's a great place to start. Just being humble. I believe that the, the, the number one reason most people believe they cannot honor God with at least the first tenth of everything that has been entrusted to them by God is because they don't believe that they can afford it. Hear me. We have nothing to give except what God gives us. And He gives everything to us. Notice also in verses, the latter part of verse 14, and, and then also in 16, everything that belongs to God and is declared belonging to God. Just that last part, I had you underscore, underscore it there in verse 14. For everything comes from you, 
We've given you only what comes from our own hands. Skip down to verse 16. Lord, our God, all this wealth that we've provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. David and the people of God could only give because God had first given everything to them. Throughout this series, I hope to show you that God calls us to a life of obedience to His Word. And hear me, when God commands us to do something, I hope you'll always remember this, God never commands us to do something without also empowering us to be obedient to His command. When He commands, He also gives the power. Now, He's not going to make us do it. That wouldn't, be, uh, that wouldn't be an act of love. That wouldn't be an act of trust. He commands us to do something, then He empowers us to do it, and then we make the choice. Are we going to be obedient? Are we going to receive the power? Are we going to be obedient to what God has called us to do? Or are we going to be disobedient? And then notice in verses 17 and 19, worship occurs. It's not, I love to worship. There's some times in the Bible, I, I hope when we get to heaven, God will like replay some moments of worship. Isaiah chapter 6 is one of them for me. This one here as well. What would this moment of worship or this season of worship look like listen worship occurs when we give to god look at verse 17 i know my god that you test the heart and that you are pleased with what is right i've willingly given all these things with an upright heart and now i have seen your people who are present here giving joyfully and willingly to you lord god of abraham isaac and israel our ancestors Keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people and confirm their hearts towards you. Give my son Solomon an undivided heart to keep and carry out all your commands, your decrees, and your statutes and to build the building for which I have made a provision. And then verse 20, watch this. Then David said to the whole assembly, Blessed be the Lord your God. So the whole assembly praised the Lord God of their ancestors. They knelt low and paid homage to their Lord and their king time of giving resources to God is a time of worship. Again, I, I said it when we took the offering a while ago, but I want to say it again. When we take the offering, it is not a pause in worship. It's not a transition in worship. It's, it's a, it is worship. That's what we're doing. It's an act of worship. It's an act of, of worshiping God, giving back to Him what He has, he has given to us. Off, the offering, taking the offering, is worship. Have you ever, you ever built a house or seen a house being built or, or seen a building being built? It seems to take forever at first. The sign goes up, you know, the construction company, they're, they're clearing the land, and, and maybe uh, some fence goes up. I, I saw this in Abilene several, several months ago, uh, I think, over a year ago, there's a, a new hotel being built in Abilene, and they put the construction fence up, and, and then for months, it looked like absolutely nothing was going on. There was bulldozers, there was backhoes, there was cranes, there was dump trucks, but it didn't look like anything 
was going on. And then all of a sudden, you go back the next day and there's a building there. You know how important the foundation is to the integrity of the building that is being built. Listen, the bigger the foundation, the deeper the foundation, the bigger the building. Listen, we need to have a good foundation. It's the same way for our life. It's the same way for our family. Build your life, build your family on the foundational reality and truth that God is the owner of everything. That's what we ought to be building on. That foundation that God is the owner of everything. So understanding biblical stewardship is to number one, give honor and praise to God alone for everything because God is the owner of everything. Have you ever tried to get your children or grandchildren um, to jump to you like you stand them up on the counter or on the side of the pool and you try to get them to jump they want to jump but they're hesitant they're, they, they, they need one thing they need to know that you're going to be there they need to know that they can trust that you're there going to catch them when they jump Listen, God is going to be there. If you jump and build your life and your family on this foundational truth that God is the owner of everything, He will be there. You can take the jump. I promise you. Real quick, a personal story. Several years ago, before I was in ministry, our family was really, really young. Um, boys, two boys were just toddlers. And um, I was in the printing business. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I saw my family give. I never knew what, I just saw them put the envelope uh, in the offering plate. I saw my grandmother and my granddad give, and I knew that I was supposed to give. And, and in our early years of marriage, and, and really just, uh, just, you know, there's several years there. We weren't following the Lord, but, man, this is, we were, we'd fallen in love with God. I knew that we were supposed to be giving, and, and we had started tithing, giving 10% of our income uh, to the church. Kim called me one day while I was at work, and uh, she said, um, I quit my job, and I'm never going back to work. And I said, uh, okay, well, uh, I, I was smart enough at that time not to say settle down or uh, anything like that. Um, I just said, we'll talk about it when we get home. And, um, and she said, there's nothing to talk about. Um, I, I quit. I'm never going back to work. Our kids had been sick. or the, uh, Her boss had some, said something that was very inappropriate, and she was done with working outside of the house. She was just going to take care of the kids. And so we get home that night, and in my mind, I'm thinking we're going to talk about it. There was no talking about it. She was not going to go back to work. And I'm thinking in my mind, how in the world are we going to survive? I, I like rice, but I don't like beans. And I can, you can, you, we, can't, uh, we can't survive on just rice. 
And so how are we going to survive? And so we got out the legal pad. Uh, we, we, were, we had a, a pretty you know, decent little budget plan. And uh, so we got out the legal pad and we began to have the discussion. What are we going to cut out? If you're going to stay home, we have to cut out something. And so we, we, we looked and we, we saw the tithe there. And we thought, well, surely God will understand if we take the tithe out, he knows that we need to eat. He knows that we need to be able to pay rent. He knows all these things. And, and, and let us kind of get through this rocky period and let things kind of even out. And when they do, we'll put the tithe back in. Well, we continue to have a conversation that night. And to be honest with you, I have no idea when the tithe got put back in. But it got put back in that night. It was probably Kim's idea, not mine. I was selling printing. I wasn't in ministry. I was selling printing at the time. And a company, this Hendrick Hospital, is, I, I'd been calling. I'd been trying to get Hendrick Hospital to, to move all of their printing to the company I was working for. I'd been trying to get their business for two years. The next morning, I go back into the office, and my boss calls me. He says, hey, Hendrick Hospital just called, and they said, if you want their business, you need to be there at 10 o'clock. I was like, that lady, the, the purchasing agent there, she has been running me out of her office. Like, and now she's calling, wanting me to come there? Like, yes, sir, I'm getting over there. Let me fast forward real quick. By the end of that same month that Kim quit her job, and our income was just you know, turned on its head, because, and I'm telling you this, I truly believe this, because we faithfully gave, our income was never a penny less than what it was when she was working. Listen, there's no other explanation. And I say that, listen, I have prayed over sharing that story with you because in no way do I want it to sound proud, prideful, in no way do I want it to sound arrogant, in no way am I trying to pat myself on the back. What I'm trying to do is bring honor and glory to God. I'm telling you, if you jump, God will be there and, he'll tr and you can trust him. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm telling you there are testimonies all over the sanctuary where I've heard of people who have done the same thing and God has faithfully been there every single time. Do you remember the song, Standing on the Promises? I think we sang it a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night. The final verse of that song states this. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting on, in my Savior's as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. Church family, today, what are you standing on? What are you standing? Are you standing on what God says in His Word? Or are you standing on the flimsy philosophies of this world? I'm telling you, God is the owner of everything. And what we give, we give, it's already His. We're just returning it back to Him. He really does own everything. Let's close in prayer. Father, I, um, I thank you for being trustworthy. I thank you for being faithful. God, I thank you for the testimonies of, of people who showed faithful giving in my life as a, as a young boy. God, I thank you for showing me how you've been faithful in our own life. 
my life and our family's lives. Father, I know there are others in this sanctuary who's giving you praise, and I, I, I pray you're doing it. Church, even as I'm praying, give him praise for what he's done in your own life. Father, I pray that you would help us to continue to be faithful. God, I pray for those who, maybe this is the first time they've heard a message on biblical stewardship. And this is a stretch, man. This is a big, big stretch. Father, I pray that they would know how faithful and how trustworthy you are. Father, you are a good God. Father, I pray for those. This message was not, uh, this message was not evangelistic at all. Uh, but I pray for those that are here this morning or watching online that do not know you as Lord and Savior. Listen, if you're here and you're, you've been hearing me this morning, I, I pray you know this is, this is who we are. This is what God has called us to do. As an act of trust in Him, as an act of placing our faith in Him, continuing to place our faith in Him, this is what He's, he's calling us to do. This is so counter-culture what the culture would, would have us do. But I'm telling you, listen, if you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He is worth returning back to Him, at least 10% of what He's given us. But can I tell you something else? He is more than worthy to you surrendering your all, 100% to Him, 100% of your life. Listen, He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you. He wants you right where you are. He wants you. The good news is, is He won't leave you right where you are with the struggles that you're having, the fear, the worry, the anxiety. He won't leave you there. Listen, He'll give you peace. He'll give you certainty. He'll give you hope. Will you give your life to Him? Father, we love you. We thank you for the grace and the mercy you poured out on us. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Will you stand as Ryan leads us in a song of response? Um, I said it earlier, but I want to say it again. Listen, if there's been conviction, um, God doesn't, he doesn't ever convict us to push us away. He doesn't ever convict us because he's angry at us. He's drawing us to him. So receive that conviction as a gift to be drawn to the Lord. And respond to him during this time, however he would lead you. Surrender. 
Just real quick, a few closing announcements. Don't remember if you're on the Children's Committee uh, or on our uh, Youth Pastor Search Team. We have meetings just as soon as church is over. I want to ask you uh, to continue to pray how the Lord uh, would lead you to give to our capital uh, campaign uh, that we've entitled Invested. Uh, I'm going to be preaching on this topic over the next five weeks uh, on biblical stewardship. At the end of that, uh, we're going to have a time of commitment where we commit as a church individually and as a church of how the Lord is leading us. I'll share more with you about that uh, in the coming weeks, but, but please be in prayer uh, even today uh, how the Lord would use you uh, to be a part of our capital uh, campaign. God bless you. I hope you have a great, uh, great rest of your afternoon. We'll see you back here tonight at 6 o'clock. You got a song for us? All right, good deal. Right. Let's sing the chorus of At the Cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my own rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Have a great week.